I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence, and I'm joined by Matthew George, CEO and founder of Vigitrust, and Rowan Fogarty, who is the company's chief operating officer. And we're talking about data security and compliance. Uh, this is something that could potentially be a major issue going forward now that, uh, particularly for firms in the UK, now that Brexit has happened. What are the key strategic considerations involved in that, Matthew? From a strategic perspective, I think businesses in the UK should start looking at their own ecosystem. How do they integrate between the different silos, business units within their own organization? What kind of data do they take? Is taking into account unstructured data as well? Do they have a data classification? Who's got access to what? And once we've done that, they can start looking at the impact of regulation. And GDPR is one of them, and Data Protection Act in the UK. Any type of privacy framework. And right now, obviously, transfer of data in and out of the UK in light of the UK leaving the, the EU, but also international transfer in the wake of uh, the Schrems 2 case. So the, the advice would be to map out your ecosystem and ensure that it's comprehensive enough that you understand where the data is created, the life cycle of the data, the data that you might discard, the data that you store uh, within each area within your ecosystem and then map out who's got access to what. And at that stage, they have a look at the risks to the data, the risks to the systems and the risks to people. And based on that, that should be fundamentally the information that you need to drive a cyber strategy from. All that, it strikes me, is something that should should have been going on or should have gone on anyway. Are there, and you did touch on it briefly, but I want to press you on this point, are there extra considerations for UK firms now that the UK has left the EU? Yeah, so you're completely right that, that that's something that they should have been doing. And, and the reality is that a lot of firms have been doing that to, to a large extent. So this is not new. Like the, the concept of cyber accountability is something that is not new. And you, you find it in, in various acts and in the Companies Act and not just in privacy regulations. So it's something that they, they should have been doing. The focus right now from a privacy perspective is indeed on the UK and what the UK is going to do with regards to data transfer. With GDPR, the UK was in line with the, the rest of the EU. And in fact, it should be noted that the UK issued two huge fines in, in 2020 under GDPR, one to Marriott and one to British Airways. And whilst those fines had been expected to be, to be much higher, uh, they were still very significant. So right now, from a European perspective, all of the regulators are looking at what the UK is going to do. Are they going to continue enforce the same level of scrutiny on uh, compliance with, with data protection as before, or is it going to go down? The, you have to remember that in order to transfer data into the EU or out of the EU, a third-party country, which now the UK would be regarded as that, needs to have uh, the, uh, this, at, at the very least the same level of privacy controls uh, as required under GDPR. And so uh, the UK should have absolutely no problem demonstrating that because they, they were in compliance with, with GDPR. And in fact, some of the provisions of the Data Protection Act in the UK 
go beyond GDPR, but I suspect that there will be very strong monitoring from the other European regulators and indeed from the uh, European data protection supervisor as to what's happening with the UK. So that, that that's what we need to focus on. Well, we need to make sure that up to a point, I guess, we stay in step with what's happening in Europe. Otherwise, it's going to be another barrier to business as opposed to the freedom of being global Britain. Sorry, I'm turning into Boris. If we don't stay in line with the data protection and the data privacy laws, that all the wonderful things that people tell me is going to happen with all the data that is now available and how firms and financial institutions can use this data to to offer better products and to personalize products and to improve their products and generally offer a, a better service to people is not going to happen unless these things are met. That's entirely correct. And you have to remember that a number of UK businesses also have data in the cloud in servers that are actually not based in the UK. So they absolutely have no choice but to look into that challenge and address it the right way. One other consideration is that the Information Commissioner's Office in in the UK has always been known as one of the most stringent regulator around data privacy. And that's not going to stop even domestically in the UK. We would expect the ICO to continue doing audits. We would expect them to continue providing good guidance. And in fact, they they are producing guidance on how to to address what's what's happening with Brexit. But right now, the, the guidance remains a little bit nebulous, so to speak, in that it remains a bit theoretical rather than practical. And I think that over the next few months, what UK businesses will be expecting is more direct guidance as to how to address that technical and and legal challenge. Let me turn now to Rowan. You're the nuts and bolts guy in all this for Vigitrust, Rowan, as I understand it. That's the theory anyway, yes. What does it actually mean from your perspective? What do banks and financial institutions and indeed ordinary corporates have to do to ensure that they remain in compliance? The short answer is probably nothing because there's been a a long expectation that the UK has implemented GDPR to all intensive purposes and will continue to implement a set of regulations that are very closely aligned with GDPR. And that expectation has continued throughout the long process that led to Brexit. There wasn't time before Brexit to work out the detail, but there is a provision that allows this to continue for about six months. It's actually technically four months and then can be extended to six months if nothing has been agreed. Now, what would be agreed would be the that the adequacy decision would be made, which is basically the EU and the UK agreeing that they can continue to exchange data as they would have previously because they both implement regulations that are roughly the same. But the point you made was that increasingly in the last few months, people have become concerned that the UK might diverge from Europe in terms of data protection regulation And that would require then that there would be a number of measures that would need to be implemented that would allow transfer between the UK and and Europe, such things as contractual change and administrative arrangements and other safeguards 
that will be required because the two jurisdictions have different regulations. So what people are doing at the moment is what they were doing before Brexit. And they are hoping that the adequacy decision will be implemented at the end of whatever period is decided, whether it's four months or six months or beyond. But quite possibly beyond, because the deadlines for GDPR were themselves pushed back and pushed back and pushed back, were they not? I think most people expect that this one might be pushed out for a bit while that decision is made. But the longer it's pushed out is probably the more likely and more expectation it might be because they expect there to be some divergence. Well, how complicated is it going to be for a a firm or a bank or whatever institution that is not national in scope, but international in scope, which has operations in the UK, which has operations in Ireland, which might have operations in France or Germany? It depends on your international data flow. It might not be very complicated. Lots of lots of organizations are moving data around internationally and they've already got these processes in place. So they might be only adding another country to that. Therefore, it's not. But if you had a predominantly EU-based business that had previously been able to process and exchange data without these restrictions, then it would be an additional bureaucracy, for want of a better word, that you wouldn't previously have had to have. Okay, so what's the service that Vigitrust offers to firms in that position? We allow people use our platform to manage compliance to a number of different regulations, and GDPR is just one of them. Because there is an overlap with what you need to do for GDPR, both in terms of compliance to the data protection regulation and in terms of securing that data when you have it in your possession uh, with lots of other regulations. So our platform allows you to manage that as efficiently as possible for multiple regulations, including GDPR. Matthew, to come back to you, do you see, have you seen an increase in inquiries post-Brexit? We're seeing organizations asking us similar questions to the ones that you've just asked us. And and my take on it is that, uh, especially in banking and in financial services, uh, security and compliance tends to make it to the board on a more regular basis than before. And so from a board perspective, the the issue of cybersecurity, uh, certainly in the banking area, is not new, so they're they're, they're uh, factually looking after it, and within that, there's a there's a Brexit component. You know the impact of Brexit on on cybersecurity. The way I look at it, certainly, is that in order to drive a very good cybersecurity strategy, it needs to come from the board and the C-suite. Unfortunately, the challenge that the board and C-suite might have is that they may not be GDPR experts. They may not be data transfer experts. And so what we need to do is we need to demystify those concepts to, to, to them. And what we do at VGTrust is we've created a framework called the Five Pillars of Security Framework, which is aimed at the, the, C, the C-suite and the board. And it's based on the idea that whether you look at financial authority uh, standards or regulation, GDPR, the payment card industry data security standard, AML, KYC, all of those regulations and standards that apply to banking, they all dial back, and then in fact, not just in banking, uh, generally speaking, but they all dial back to five key common areas that anyone can understand whether they're legally minded or, or not, or technically minded or not. And they are physical security, people security, data security, 
infrastructure security, which today is your wider infrastructure. So that would be your networks, your subsidiaries, your franchisees, uh, your outlets, um, your third parties, your fourth parties, your remote workforce, your application providers, cloud providers. And then finally, crisis management. What do you do when something goes wrong? By using those five pillars, we're able to explain in plain, in plain business English what the, the cybersecurity challenge is. And so if you apply that to GDPR and the impact of GDPR on Brexit, and you say, hey, here's the impact on our physical security. That's very easy, right? Because we, we see the customs and, and the, the, the logistical issues. We look at people security, the ability to travel. We then look at data security from a data transfer perspective. What's the impact of Brexit on that? Infrastructure is the ecosystem I spoke about before. And then crisis management, what are we going to do when the European regulator knocks at our door? Because remember, GDPR is extraterritorial in its application. So it also applies to, to the UK if businesses have data pertaining to data subjects in, in the EU, which they more than likely do, especially in banking, to your point of, of a global company. Matthew George, Rowan Fogarty of Vigitrust, thank you both very much for your time, gentlemen.